How do you improve what you don't measure? Well, that can be difficult. So we're gonna talk about it. We're joined by Brianne Minnick, who has a passion for people analytics. She spent many years in HR. She's experienced, she's passionate, and spent many years on the talent and onboarding side. But then found a love for data and analytics and ended up with a company called Splash BI, and that's what they do. So we're excited to get Bree's insight on what to look at, how to measure, how analytics tell the story, and how you can take some of those pieces to figure out what to focus on in order to shape your story and, and grow your organization. You ready? Let's do it. But Bree, we appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. And do us a favor real quick, just give us an idea of who is Bree? Where, where'd you come from? You spent some time in the world of HR and now you're supporting the world of HR. So kind of give us your, your journey and what you're up to now. Yeah, sure. So I really, I, I want to start with truly my background um, and that I went to school for interior design. I was on a, a really great conversation yesterday, actually, and uh, it was all about, you know, who would you actually hire into the workforce? And I went with hiring somebody with with passion um, and really a really unique interest. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of where I started. So I start with, you know, yes, by degree, by, you know, proper training, I guess, formal education is interior design, bachelor's in arts. Um, and then if we fast forward, how I got into HR is super interesting. So, you know, I think you evolve as a person and, and through your life, you learn a lot about yourself. And I was starting to really getting into the training aspect, you know, in my job and, you know, working at the place that we worked, we were selling high-end furniture. So it was going into those details of the training. So then I was like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of like that. So I met just like anybody else. It's all about networking. And so I met with an individual and she's now one of my very best friends. And uh, she said, Hey, I think you'd be really great in HR. I have a position available. So I kind of started there, started at the bottom with literally just kind of like a very basic HR admin role of just processing paperwork, you know, just dotting the I's, crossing the T's, getting some stuff moving around. Um, and then there's a recruiter position open and her uh, internal posting. And she said, do you think you want to do that? And I said, hmm, let me think about it for like 24 hours. And I thought, well, what? why can't I do this? I can do this. So got into recruitment, um, really just kept building, you know, on that experience and conversations and really just educating myself along the way, listening, learning from my peers, uh, mentorship, things like that. And then I've just grown into separating kind of recruitment and onboarding. And then became all within the same company. I just kind of climbed the ladder and built those relationships. Mm -hmm. um, we became the um, director of talent onboarding for the entire organization, which we operated in several um, countries. And I worked with partners across the pond and our U.S. We had about 40 entities that we supported. So about 8,000 individuals into the organization. So I, I dealt into that. And then I learned more about myself and uh, loved kind of the analytics of everything. And so I was starting to put what we were what we were looking at from a talent and onboarding team and really getting those metrics and KPIs and putting them into visualization. So that's how kind of I've come full circle, you know, in the last, you know, gosh, I don't know, I guess starting from design to now, 
what is that like 15 years? So it's crazy. Wow. That's great. And you had me at analytics, you know, that that's my jam. I love that stuff. And we'll get into that. Uh, and I'm not an interior designer. So don't ask me to do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Won't do that. <laughs> well, you mentioned training and, and onboarding and the kind of, and we hear it all the time, like the first 90 days, right? Setting the tone for the experience of an employee. Can you talk to like some of the, the challenges that you faced in the past and how you might've accomplished those goals when it comes to training and, and onboarding? Cause I know that someone's listening and saying, that's me right now. How do I, how do I? Yeah. Well, first I, I want to start talking about like onboarding is really, we called it onboarding in my previous role, but really it started, I guess, as kind of this pre-boarding thing. So you know, think about the people that are first setting the stage of walking into the organization first, it starts with the recruiter. And then what's the handoff look like during the hiring process to that day one? I always like to say, it's like dropping your kids off at camp. Like you do everything that you can, you, you've been with them, that you're the proud parent and say, I'm going to I'm going to now hand you off to this camp counselor slash, you know, manager in the real world. And I'm hoping they treat them with the same respect um, and values and passion that, you know, we have as, you know, parents. So for me, the onboarding really starts from the time someone says, yes, I'm joining your organization, signing on the dotted line. And that's where you begin. Um, and so for, for there, it's, how are you having conversations? Are you answering all their all their questions? Are you anticipating, you know, what they're going to ask and what's important to them and uh, showing them the value of your company culture right there? You know, I think organizations a lot of times put, hey, here's here's our values and and here's our culture. Um, and it's just on a piece of paper, but you need to you need to show them. So I think that's how it starts trickling is from the time they they, like I said, sign the offer letter. And then from there, it's those touch points along the way. And if you build that relationship with them, then it's more of an organic feel. It's not like, hey, we're just checking the box and we're just making sure you're getting the training. But it's all about the communication internally, too. So when you start from one person in the process, handing over to the next person in the process, it's having really good handover notes about, hey, this is how this person likes to be communicated with. This is how they our interaction has been. So it's having those kind of really good messages internally that someone externally is not going to know that that's happening. But, it, but it's really, really important to have that. Um, and then just goes from there, just keeps, keeps building. It's kind of infectious, really. That's great. And I'm just thinking out loud here, but when they accept, they sign on the dotted line, they've accepted the role. Your work's just really getting started at that point because it can't uh, be, yes, we filled the role, which is good, which is good. But now you have to say transition from here's why you should join the organization to let's show you why you made the right choice. Right. Yeah. I think, I think right now, I mean, we all keep hearing about layoffs are happening. Uh, there's quiet quitting and there's also the quiet hiring um, in organizations as well. And I love this quiet hiring thing. And I'm like, I just want to keep 
digging into it more because it really is happening. You may not even know that there's a position open in the organization. The organization may not even know who who they're hiring or what they're even looking for. This person just kind of lands in their lap, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's all about just really, really knowing. And like you said, showing that individual why they're joining the organization. There's no regrets. They're not out there they're going to get poached. Everyone's getting poached these days. Everyone's Mm -hmm. looking for someone to hire, but then there's also a ton of people in the marketplace looking for and fighting for that one position, whatever it needs to be. So I think go bold internally and externally in order to keep your people engaged. But then if you're also searching for a job, go bold as well. Don't be afraid to show who you are and you'll, you'll land in the right spot, the right organization. You get on something that really stuck with me because I, when you mentioned that it's got to be uh, from the first touch point to the entire process, I myself have been in situations and have other friends who we started a position, then you get to that third or fourth person, and the message of the culture has changed by the time you've gotten down the line. Can you talk about the importance of making sure that a candidate understands the message, the brand, the vision from the recruiter all the way to their you know, the CEO or CFO, because those things can kind of make or break a candidate's, oh, this is a great for me. But then by the time they get into it, it's kind of like, maybe not. It's not the best place. For me. <laughs> I, well, you know, I think you bring up a really, really good point because the messaging can change. But yeah. I think it's super important to talk to the candidate about of who they're actually working with day to day. Um, and it depends on the size of the organization as well. So if you're working in a huge organization, the CEO is going to be say, saying one thing, but no offense to any large company CEOs out there, but you're not really understanding what is happening on, on the front line. So you have really big aspirations. You know what the vision of your company is going to be, but it starts from like the top, the top down and it starts really drilling down to, okay, There's these business strategies, but then that has to go and that impact has to follow down to, okay, who are your frontline managers that are really talking to the individuals? And then the communication of the managers to the people that are the recruiters, they're talking to the organization first thing. And then it starts flowing back up the stairs as well. So then the recruiter needs to go back to the manager and say, hey, listen, we had this great candidate that we interviewed they got to you, but the recruiters already had this really good foundation um, and relationship with the individual. So they might provide really good feedback and say, hey, you know, I really loved the chat with you during our initial interview. But once I talked to, you know, ex-manager, just something felt off. I just I just wasn't feeling it. It was not not the same. So I think transparency is, is huge. Um, you can't be afraid to give the feedback, even if it is someone higher up the chain than you, because ultimately we're all one team. Um, and we I mean, obviously, there's a way to a tactful way to talk, <laughs> talk about those discussions <laughs> with that with the higher up um, individuals. But I think it, it's collaborating, it's being transparent to make sure that you really are, you know, representing the company well, but then that recruit, but then on the other hand, we don't want the recruiter overselling something that's just not, not real because, you know, they're like, I just want to fill the role and I'm going to promise these people the moon. And, but realistically, the manager's like, yeah, we don't do that here. (laughs) That's not something (laughs) we can offer. So it really does kind of go 
always yeah. up and then back down, but it all comes down to transparency and, and communication for sure. That's great. And, and keeping it that way too. keep the consistency and the transparency, because even if they've been with the organization for seven years, to your point, they're still getting people reaching out to them. Hey, you should come look at our company. So you mm-hmm. constantly need to be selling and making sure people feel appreciated and valued. I love that approach. Yeah. What do you think has been the key? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm just curious. Like you've done, you've had a lot of success in, in this world and what, What'd be the one thing that like a good success story, I guess, would be that you could share with us? Yeah. So let's just say I had, as far as like people, I would say, if I talk about myself, I, I could tell you about that, but I want to talk about the people that I've, I've worked with um, and for. Um, and so I think there is unique talent and every single person. So we can put them in a role. And one tool that we used to use in, in my last position was like a, it's called culture index. So it was a personality assessment. Um, and I, I like to use the analogy of, Hey, you, you've always been this person. Um, you've always worked in this same role, but once you start looking at their personalities, you're like, but you've got something hidden inside of you and you've got this hidden talent. And as think you should look into that um, and really helping helping them progress. So kind of talk about that, but then an individual, I'll never forget, he was one of my very first hires. So he worked um, at the Galt House actually in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And he just kind of was like a a laborer. He just did some set design, tear up, tear down, like when they did like big seminars and things like that. And we hired him on to be a deckhand. Um, I worked in the maritime industry for several years prior to this role. But um, so he worked at a deckhand, which is just really scrubbing it scrubbing a bow, making sure it's clean, tying it up, um, those kind of things. So he had the basic fundamentals. He had the basic skills and he said, Hey, Hey, I want to do this. And I said, that's awesome. Let's, let's get you on board. So, you know, he had passion for it. Um, and I watched him progress up the ladder in, in the maritime world into a chief mate. So a chief mate goes like deckhand and then goes to bosun, AB, mate, chief mate. So I've watched him grow as an individual. Um, he left the organization that I was working for, but I was at a uh, career fair down in Miami a couple years ago, and he had been working then in, in the blue water. And he came up to me and he was like, oh my gosh, you're here. And I was like, how are you doing? And so we got to catch up and I got to see how he was excelling. And it all just started by giving him a chance. Um, mm-hmm. And he was someone that had passion and heart and skill. And he really took every advantage of the tools and resources that were set out in front of him. Um, and I think that's, that's what it takes. So he always stands out of someone that was one of my very first hires that I was like, he did awesome. I'm so proud of him. And I, I would share that story often in, in my recruiter days. That's, That's awesome. Good. That's why I asked. I knew you'd have a great story. That was, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we mentioned analytics a, a little bit, but let's shift gears over to that because I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on that. There's so much, the, the data that we have nowadays is, is powerful. There's so much, there's so many things to look at, you know, turnover data by role, by department, by gender, by ethnicity, by everything. And then you can get into time to hire and all sorts of different stats. When, when you think about 
the data and the analytics side of things. What do you what do you focus on or what do you encourage people to take a look at and really dive into? Sure. So I think it comes down, I guess it's kind of a hard one, but when yeah. I look at an organization and I look at their statistics and I see what's going on, first it's looking at where they are. What is what's their baseline? And then what stories kind of are, are coming out of that and really how they should drill down into it, even to an individual basis. So if we talk about turnover, I mean, that's huge in any organization right now, lots mm-hmm. of turnover. So how are we going to retain these employees? So if we start looking at like early risk analysis. I, I love drilling into that one because it starts looking at who can we correct in an organization, maybe it's a group that we're forgetting about and touching on, um, and then giving that information to a manager to really make the change in one, the organization, but two, for that individual, maybe there's just not being heard or valued, or, or maybe they're not taking advantage of those resources that in the, are in the organization, but they have to go by, into it by asking then once they recognize who the individual is of like, Hey, what, what's going on and having those coaching sessions. So I, I think it's funny when I look at people analytics, I was just starting to uh, think about an article to write, but it was like people analytics does not replace people. It just doesn't. It doesn't replace the people. What it does is it gives you a baseline of what to focus on and it's taking the legwork and the guesswork out of HR professionals, managers, leaders, of what they really should be focusing on because it's it's right there in front of you of what your strategy needs to be and what story you need to work on improving. Well said. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, I, I'm not the data guy. Like Thomas said, he's the <laughs> data guy. So when, I'm, when, we, when this topic comes up to me, I rely on this guy for every piece of information on it. But I have to say too that a lot of times when I talk to some HR individuals, they sometimes get overwhelmed with, do we have enough data? Do we do we need this much? Is this too much? Like, how much do we need? So I guess mm-hmm. to our listeners, like, mm-hmm. where to start with that? Do you, need, do you need the whole gamut right up front? Do you need just a little bit? Like, where do you start with that data to make sure you have what you need for where you are right now? And just to get you to your next step. That may be a loaded question, and it may be kind of depends on the organization size and all that, but kind of give them an idea of kind of where, where that would fall into play. Yeah, that's actually a common discussion that we have with clients when we're, when we're meeting with them. We're like, I don't know. I don't know what we have in there. Like, it's not going to be good. And yeah. I think it's just like, you can start with just honestly, very minimal information that's in somebody's like core HR um, system. So it's just, it's just starting from somewhere. Um, And it might be in some organizations, like, uh, like I said, in my previous role, when I was putting together analytics um, and dashboards and presentations for COOs and CEOs, um, it was like, okay, how can we drill down further? So I myself was starting to ask myself questions by looking at it, and then I would create another chart on it. So really starting with just baseline data, and then those questions will come of saying, oh, well, now that it's in front of me, now I'm wondering about this. Or if you already are presenting the data and you're putting together these you know, weekly reports or monthly or annual uh, reports, whatever it may be, 
you know what questions are coming from those presentations. Or if you're just sending them out, you know what people are going to come back and ask. Um, and you might be seeing some similarities there. So then that's where you start. You try to get ahead of the curve a little bit. You're like, okay, I know they're going to ask about this. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I'm going to go ahead and get it. Um, and I think the other thing is, too, if people don't think about if they're probably already tracking data other places. They're just not thinking about it. I mean, what we're doing currently right now at Splash BI is someone can hand us a CSV file. It could be literally someone's been tracking stuff on, on an Excel spreadsheet, send that on over to us, and then we put it in a visualization. So it doesn't really even have to be out of a like robust system at all. It could be uh, they're tracking their training on an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, great. Let's let's plop that in. Let's take a look at it and then start building on it um, as well. Then if it becomes an initiative for the company, maybe they want to invest in something, a, a better software system for them um, if that's a big strategy. That's neat. And yeah. Jason, he'll know where I'm going with this because we've been talking talking a lot about the importance of finance and HR working together. We just talked to someone the other day that was doing an amazing job with this, but we've been huge advocates for this and we've heard folks that do it well, some that need to improve, but I'm curious your thoughts of HR and finance having one heartbeat, talking the same language, using the data for both of their goals, right? To meet the common goal. And just curious your, your thoughts on the importance of that. Yeah, it's super important. It's so funny because I think oftentimes there is that big disconnect, like there's HR, then there's yeah. finance. And then it's like, uh, but do they need to talk to each other? And they, uh, it's absolutely, yes, they do need to talk to, talk to each other, um, especially when it comes from, you know, starting from the, the very beginning of like, hey, we have a position to post. Okay, great. Is that is that approved? Does finance know that we're going to be adding another role into the organization? Um, and what salary range is that going to impact? Is there wiggle room in the salary? Is there uh, can we offer a bonus or relocation or um, anything like that that goes into it? So if we don't talk to finance and then all of a sudden we're hiring um, additional bodies into the organization, well then benefit costs, uh, IT hardware equipment, cost of actually bringing someone in the hiring process. So there's a cost mm -hmm. and a dollar to every single transaction that's coming into your organization and people being your transaction, right? People in, people out, there's a huge cost um, to it. So they say like your, your turnover cost is 50% of the salary of the person that you're losing. I mean, if you think about that dollar amount, that is mm -hmm. huge and finance absolutely wants to know how many people are we losing what's it costing us because now we're going to have to replace them as well mm -hmm. so they have to so i mean ag again i mean i keep to keep talking about like splash beyond what we do but we have those we have the visualizations we have a really great um executive 360 dashboard that we have finance hr marketing sales all feeding into one place so Mm -hmm. You can look into it in one single place and really understand what's going on in the organization. And again, it's not for everybody. There's definitely, you know, security measures and that who actually can, you know, look at that data and drill down into it. And I'm really glad you kind of extended it more out to the marketing other departments. Because I think people realize they say, oh, HR and finance is talking. OK, we're doing good. Oh, no, that's mm -hmm. the first step. The next step now is to get the other ones all talking. So the whole organization is all on the same page, right? 
So I'm glad you kind of say what you guys do there. Take it to the next step, get finance, HR, marketing, all those departments at one place so you can visually see what's going on with everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, marketing, I mean, that costs a ton of money and there's a lot of people in marketing departments that that they don't think about. I mean, you have your your visualizations, you have your AV people, you've got their campaigns, you've got just people out on the ground. And there's so much that goes in into marketing. Um, And I'm glad I've been in roles where I get to work with the marketing department hand in hand. And I really Mm -hmm. am understanding that working with IT and working with legal and working with sales. So I'm understanding how it's so important that we all are talking to each other and really understanding. Um, And I think it's important, too, to drill down into sharing some of that information to your frontline employees as well, uh, because they may not understand. So it's also educating them about, Mm -hmm. you know, something and again, making it to their level. You know, you want to make sure that they're understanding what you're talking about and uh, put it more in layman's terms for everybody, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, that's good stuff. That's really good. And yeah, I, I like to geek out on the the data stuff. I apologize. <laughs> but, it's, but it's cool. Like, I, I love the systems that do a great job of this where the CFO can go in and say, okay, here's what I budgeted. Maybe it's a million dollars, but we're at 750. Why is that? Maybe there's open positions and I can see that in the system so I can understand the story of what's truly happening. Or maybe we're at 1.2 because we hired some extra people. Uh, and really being able to see what's truly happening real time is invaluable, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Because it can change. I mean, that was, again, yesterday I was in a discussion. It's like, how often should you be refreshing your data, really knowing? And it's like, I mean, to me, it's it's all the time. It's always changing. And if you look at trends, especially Gosh, 2022 was in its own world, I think. It was companies were building up. We were out there. It was like our first like real operational. So everyone went crazy was hiring all these people. And then 2023 is like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we need to come down a little bit. We're not quite at where we were in like 2018, 2019. Um, maybe let's scale back a little bit. So that's why I think we are seeing so many layoffs. Um, but it's now like getting us to like a really good even ground and really understanding, you know, what's, what's going on. That's great. I'm glad, I'm glad we touched on that. And Jason, we should probably do a separate episode at some point where it really talks about the relationship between the different departments. That'd be fun. That'd I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And Bree, before we let you go, I know one of my favorite things to think about when we're doing this is, okay, what do I do now? Like, cause yeah, that sounds really cool on a podcast, but then what do I what do I do? Uh, so if you could give us, whether it's, whether it's talent and development or onboarding the employee experience or, or even the data, like give us just one or two things that you think would be helpful to take the first step. If we can improve and if we think we can improve in some of these areas. Yeah, I think, I think my biggest takeaway of just like all of my experiences be true to who you are. Absolutely. Um, have passion and don't be afraid to speak up. If you have an idea, it could be crazy, but it's going to probably in a way impact somebody from the very front line. Um, like I said, I'll go back to the roots of, of recruitment. Um, it's going to impact that first step 
in the process. It's going to impact the recruiter. Um, and then it's all about communication and it's having a really good relationship with your with your peers. It's having a really great mentorship. Find someone in your organization or someone externally um, that's really going to help build you up. We all learn so much from each other by just talking and networking and having the conversations. Um, and that's what's going to help you help you grow as an individual, as a professional. Um, and I think you know, some of the takeaways that if you're in an organization, um, like I said, the transparency, so talk to each other, communicate, come up with crazy ideas, just, just put it out there um, and really just educate yourself um, as well. You cannot educate yourself enough of just doing your own research and, uh, and digging in um, and then tracking data. You've got it somewhere. It's, it's out there. Maybe you already have a little Excel spreadsheet that you're starting to put some numbers next to um, and just start playing around with it. And you'll just be surprised um, what you can come up with. Well said. We appreciate it. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I had so much fun today talking with, with the both of you for sure. Well, you're welcome back anytime. We appreciate you supporting what we're what we're trying to accomplish here and giving us some insights that we can take away. I can't thank you enough. Thanks. Bree. Thanks. Bree, we can't thank you enough. That was incredible. Uh, and as always, my number one takeaway was people analytics doesn't replace people. It doesn't, but it does help you identify those areas that you need to shape a better story or improve. And it helps us create strategy around how we're going to improve and grow our organization. Phenomenal. I'll put Bree's information below in case you have any questions. She loves talking about this stuff, but we will see you back here next week.